just in time is based on a true story, which is very interesting because um, we we talk to a lot of authors who write, you know, support um, books that are essentially nonfiction. Um, and yours, it's, I'm very excited to talk about this because it seems to be uh, a nonfiction personal novel. So tell me the true story, and um, then why did you choose to uh, novelize it? Well, that's actually uh, a good question uh, because so much of it is true, uh, yet, you know, all the character names are changed and so on, but it is based on people I know. And I am a big reader of fiction. Um, it's I, I don't eliminate any other genres. I, I love reading in general. But fiction I love, and and, and, and for me... Writing fiction gives me freedom to let the characters take over, even though it's based on actual experiences, then I can invent situations, scenes, dialogue, even new characters. So there's characters in my novel that are not that I, that are made that are invented. So, so it, 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 in a sense, it's using your true story, but also enhancing it so you could get uh, make uh, your educational point as clear as you want it to be. That's it, exactly. Um, the other thing is, I mean, the publisher, which is She Writes Press, they were really trying to get me to make this nonfiction, a memoir. And I had to sit with that a few days and really ponder it. Um, and what it came down to, which is really kind of a simplistic reason, but it's also a very important one. A memoir is written in first person. And it was so important to me to have various points of view, and my brothers particularly, that for me to be writing this book, I, 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 was completely eliminating the 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 to me the interesting points of the different characters within the novel. Oh, that's so, brilliant. So you can change your point of view as 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 needed yes. and more comfortably than if it was a personal memory. Ab- absolutely. Yes. So I really think the the correct genre description of this book would be creative nonfiction, which you don't put that on a novel. I mean when you, you know, or or a the actual book itself it doesn't it doesn't work but that's how i think of this novel so actually what, what did you learn about mental illness from taking care of your brothers who are living with schizophrenia for over 20 years well he's been actually diagnosed his first psychotic break he was 20 years old and this this novel starts when he's 48 and over the years that he was ill, of course, I learned a lot through my parents and the and and the support groups they were involved with. NAMI, particularly NAMI, is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Great group. Yes, and I just had a book signing at Barnes and Noble in Palm Springs, where they were in in conjunction with NAMI, so the proceeds of my of my sales would go to them. So that was a wonderful benefit to be able to do that. Um, I digress, but. Um, so I learned a lot through my parents and so on and was involved. I was living away. I was out of state. I was in Oregon and there in Ohio. But I was, you know, I was asked to write letters to the psychiatrist about our childhood, et cetera. 
things like that to fill in the gaps. And, and my parents would feed me with a lot of information. But the real learning curve came when they passed away and my brother was in the house living with them. And my, I have a younger brother, too, who's out here in California as well. And we didn't know how to, we knew the best thing for him was to stay in the childhood home. His his familiar ground, you know, stomping grounds, and and otherwise it can really lead to difficulties, um, psychotic break, um, adapting. And L.A. is not an easy place to adapt to after you're living in a community like we grew up in, which was very small and uh, very cloistered and lovely, a lake community. Uh, so really, the the I really got to know my brother and how this illness affects him on a day-to-day basis by my travels back and forth there. And that's where I really got into his head, more or less, so that I was able to write this um, with his point of view, in many cases, throughout. Conversations, dialogue, the confusion, the mental confusion, and then sometimes a surprising clarity, which can be misleading. A family can think that, oh, they're good now and they're going to be cured, but I'm hoping this story would give a better understanding of these constant challenges. I like that phrase, though, surprising clarity. Sometimes it just takes you aback. Yeah, it it still does. It's been, you know, 20 years later, so he's in his late 60s now. Um, but he's doing better than ever. That's It's a story of hope. That oh, living, so his living in, he's living independently now. We had a, a sister-in-law living with him initially, which was kind of a miracle that that even occurred, that came about. But she lived there for three and a half years. And then he asked, I know you probably won't let me, but do you th- I wanted to try to live independently. And that just, I was thinking I had to find somebody else. I wasn't even thinking about letting him live there alone. But it it came together, and he's been living alone now since uh, 2002. Fantastic. What was your favorite scene to write? Well, that's a good question. Let's see here. Well, it was a very traumatic scene, actually. Um and it's toward the end of the book, and it involved the police and my brother getting pulled over. He was pulled over by the police because they thought he he was weaving on the road. He drives, and he's still driving, and he's very good. But um, essentially what happened was he was pulled over, and then he drove off. And he was pulled over again, and he drove off. And it was very close to home. It was within two miles. And... It ended up where a neighboring town blocked the road, and they thought he was somebody else, and they threw him on the ground. And it became in the little community where we grew up in Silver Lake. The police there, when they got to that scene, and my brother was thrown on the ground, and you know they thought he was some criminal, and uh, he he walked up to them and said, "Wait a minute, I know this guy. This is not your guy." And then on the drive back. Well, they said, you can drive home now to my brother, and he couldn't do it. He was too rattled. So this policeman in our community, it's like Mayberry, (laughs) he said, I'll drive you home. And on the way back, and this is true, 
on the way back, he said, well, you were, I thought you were drinking. He says, I don't drink when she doesn't. He says, I'm on meds. And he said, but you were weaving on the road. And he said, I couldn't get my defrost to work in the car. That's interesting. Yeah. And so when the policeman pulled into the driveway, he said, can I show you how to use the defrost? And so that that's that whole scene that's like a chapter, and it it's a very dramatic one, and I feel like it was it was rewarding in in several ways, in that a policeman would go to those you know lengths, and that this happens with the mentally ill so often. Um, schizophrenia, you know, has such a it's such a scary word, and my brother doesn't like it, frankly. When you, his psychiatrist said you you don't like that diagnosis, and he goes no. He says, well, what would you like it to be? And he said, bipolar. <laughs> and he goes, okay, you're bipolar. There you go. <laughs> and, and, so, and that's what most people can identify with today. Bipolar so it's less, is... It's less um, frightening. It seems like you, correct. you have a better understanding of the control of a person with bipolar than when you hear the word schizophrenia, you think, I don't know what I'm dealing with here. Right, it scares people. It's it's uh, you know untreated paranoid schizophrenia can lead to violent behavior. You know, un- uh, homelessness, the rage, constant talking. You know, and when they're when they're treated, they can function well and live alone. I mean, this is very true. But schizophrenia, the word. I mean, people use the phrase. You know, he skits, <laughs> he's schizoid. You know, it's thrown around a lot. And um, but when you really talk about it as a mental illness it's a it's a frightening word so um he's now diagnosed as schizoaffective disorder so it's okay. a little less but um he's still you know he doesn't he, he gets it he knows that it's you know an ugly word can you explain the significance of the title just in time oh yes i love that question because it is based on a true happening after going back and forth there over some years and looking after the home and, you know, helping him manage his life, um, when I went back there once, he said to me, he asked me, how come you always get here just in time? Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. And interestingly enough, I hadn't written a word of the of the book at that point. But when he said that, and I always knew I was going to write something, but I wasn't sure how, where it was going to start it or how or what. But when he said that, I knew that is the title. I know being a, a loved one of someone living with schizophrenia is uh, challenging and even sometimes more than other um, diseases or illnesses that, that our loved ones deal with. And we do a lot of talking about that and we you know, talk about the the needs of the loved one of a, someone living with uh, schizophrenia. What, what do you hope the readers will take away from this book about schizophrenia and even well, mental illness in general? Yeah. Um, not only I feel this novel is informative and it's heartfelt and it's humorous, um, my novel, I think, creates a, a deeper, more compassionate understanding of the mentally ill and the families who deal with it. And with one in five afflicted with mental illness today, 
it's really a pervasive cultural issue which mm-hmm. we all need to learn about more about professionals as well as laypersons. Uh, I have a therapist in my writers group who's a psychotherapist who said she hadn't read a book that was this informative and and where you really were in the heart of what it's like on a day-to-day basis in the roller coaster of that life. So this is what I'm hoping will um help others uh understand better uh the the illness and caregivers particularly. Um, how how is the now the book's out? It's been out for a short while. How's it been yeah. received by media and, and readers? <clears throat> I've been very encouraged, <laughs> probably surprisingly so. <laughs> you write a book and you you know, and this story is based on my experiences and, and the truth of this situation. I you know, you're so in it you're not really thinking if it's that unique or unusual or you know engaging you just don't really know you know it's an interesting thing but i have gotten so much feedback um on people in the and the and the and the blurbs and and comments about it being humanistic and humoristic and addictively readable and couldn't put it down and so i have to say i couldn't i couldn't be happier about how it's being received so um and uh, and social media is a big it's a plus and a minus right i mean <laughs> it's a, you sure. know it really has 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 gone into places where i'm like wow this really does work doesn't it you know so what's next good question too i vacation <laughs> i mean <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I need a break i mean um actually I'm thinking I have a number of short stories, and one of them is woven into this novel. Um, I have a son who's a drug addict, and I'll just digress here for a moment, but because this book, I wasn't planning on introducing He's been clean and sober, by by the way, 19 years. Nice. Um, so he's his life's become a miracle, frankly. Um, we got two miracles, my brother and, and my son. Um and so the story, a first story I ever wrote in a short story when I was taking classes at UCLA, and I was starting that writing process because of my son's drug addiction, and in, I'm involved in Al-Anon and been in that for 20 years. And when they said, focus on yourself, their mantra, you know, I started taking writing classes, which which I had no plan to do. I mean, I just did it. And I wrote the story, a story about him, and he wasn't clean yet. He was in the throes of the addiction. Um, anyway, as I was writing this book, I suddenly it occurred to me that this is perfect. Mental illness and drug addiction, I mean, they overlap. They're lifelong illnesses, um, you know, different ways. I mean, but but that's uh that story is woven in here so i have other short stories and i do i do want to polish them up and um and i have quite a few cuz this is my second novel so i've have other stuff that i had incorporated into my first novel as well so well i think you're going to help a lot of family caregivers with this um this novel this true story 
is a, you, you start a whole new mode of communications. I'm very excited about this. What is the one most important piece of advice you'd like to share with family, caregivers, with loved ones living with mental illness? That there's always hope. That patience and understanding and compassion are the most important things and the 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 cliche phrase tough love is not, and throwing them out and is not usually going to be effective and help them at all. <laughs>